Hello and welcome to episode 465 of Berg on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And joining me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going pretty well, Andrew. How are you? Look, it's uh, it's pretty cosy here inside of Lars Ulrich's drum from the St. Anger album. <laughs> well, especially after last week's incident. Yeah, yeah, look... Um, does anyone have, uh, you know, any good sort of home recipes for cleaning stains off concrete floors? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's sizable. I've got a pressure cleaner. It yeah. hasn't, hasn't helped. Yeah, I've got a pressure cleaner too. You should see it's thick and... Oh, you mean a real pressure cleaner. Sorry. Mm. Sorry. Yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, news. News off the top. Yes. There's been an update on Sean Wayne's future as England coach. Oh, really? Yeah, I've not read this yet, so we're learning this at the, at the same time. Okay. Um, oh, there's some wanky in this article. Let's see. We'll just go straight to the quotes. Okay. Lynch, who's Lynch? Uh, uh, Andy Lynch. Andy, Andy Lynch? Andy Lynch. He's got, a, he's got the first the quote past. in this article. Okay. For me, when you ask... Does Sean Wayne stay or does Sean Wayne go? There's only one answer, and he's got to stay, Lynch stated. I just think that the way he coaches teams, his record in general coaching, the way he is as a bloke, he straight up and tells you how it is. You're fine with some coaches. They're great at position specifics, but some can't man-manage. He's probably one of a few that I personally think is a complete coach. For me... 100% Sean should stay and remain as England coach just the way he is. He's someone I really admire with the way he played and the way he coaches as well. And uh, Harry Newman, another player, echoed the views by saying, yeah, definitely think he's the right man for the job. I've had some great conversations with him. I get on really well. He's a great coach. I think England were unfortunate and didn't quite get it right, but that's a collective. But come the next World Cup, we will be ready <laughs> It's a, it's this weird. Uh, but there's actually no actual update. It's just a few quotes from from two Super League players, yeah. past and present. It's it's that's the weird thing about the England rugby league team. And when they were Great Britain, it was the Great Britain rugby league team. It was like, oh, we got everything right, but just a little bit something didn't go our way, and that's all yeah. it is. It's no, we, there's no need to improve anything. We were unlucky. Yeah, it was just unlucky. It's the referees, the conditions. It was it's bad travel schedule. You know, it's Wayne Bennett. Bill Harrigan. How? It's, I mean, uh, it's obviously ball. it's obviously bad luck because I mean it, they've they've been hammered with bad luck for nigh on fifty years now. Yeah, exactly. So it's not that they're not good enough; it's just that unlucky. Yeah, it's horrible luck. Yeah, really, really horrible luck. Imagine being that unlucky. Yeah, I mean, even the sharks managed to shake that amount of bad luck. True, very true. Well, it took a shitload of. Uh, <laughs> Anyway. Oh, Andrew, you triggered me now. <laughs> I mean, it took some salary cap breaking either side Oof. of that premiership season. You know. <laughs> Fucking shit ton of something else. Passion. Well, you have probably had all sorts of words written on the side of the bottle. <laughs> also had a picture of a horse for some reason. For some reason, it had passion in, in, in small letters for equine use only on it. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. Just, just in case. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's a there's a Sean Wayne update that isn't an update. 
Yeah. It's the look, update just, you have when you're not having an update. Exactly. Look, I just, you know, what are they going to do? The best coach in the world isn't going to make him better, you know? No, they've already tried that. Just might as well have him in there and just be happy that you've got an English coach for the England team and, you know, go and beat France and then realise when the rest of the world plays against you, you're shit. I wonder if England's results would have been any different if they had have got one of those fan-in-the-stand cardboard cutouts and just put it in the place of the coach. Probably not. I mean, we've seen them have coaches like that before, Brian Noble and the like, so... <laughs> yeah, he was a classic. Well, remember, they used to say the same thing about Brian Noble. Like, oh, he won all the Super League trophies and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the thing that, uh, that Sean Wayne has done that Brian Noble didn't is that he just stayed the fuck out of coaching. Brian Noble made the mistake of going from a team that was, you know, basically purchased in Bradford. Mm. And then he goes to every other place he went. He was a fucking absolute disaster because he couldn't coach. So Sean Wayne's avoided that because he doesn't coach anyone except England. So yeah. good luck to him. I don't. I really don't care. It's, it's, you know, why are we talking about what the fucking eighth best team in the world or whatever fucking England is? Who gives a shit? Uh, third best. Oh, that's what Second best, think. first best. That's, they're, they're one of the best. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> man, the, you know the I've, thing I've about, seen the International Ratings, man. They're one of the best. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the thing that would help English Rugby League more than anything is if they stop fucking self-filating themselves for long enough to realise that they need to fucking improve. But they don't care. They just want to feel nice and cosy in their little towns. Who gives a shit? You got me going early. <laughs> you got me going really early. It's February. That's right, yeah. Well, you know, we've got to warm up a little bit. The the, uh, the, the pre-season's underway. Bunch of fucking soap-dodging idiots. <laughs> and, um, you know, the World Club Challenge is only a week or two away, isn't it? Got to get you in the mood. Oh, look, it's, a, it's our second trial. I think it's a disgrace that we play one trial against Paramount and we're going to run out all our kids, you know. Good luck to them all. Getting, getting them to say that they played a trial match for the greatest rugby league club in the world against Parramatta. And then, uh, and then we play like a fucking Ron Massey cup quality team with a bunch <laughs> of tubby fucking, they're all sunburned by now. They're all going bald by the time they're 23. Are they, are they here yet? Yeah, they've been here for about, I think they've been here for about a week or so. They were complaining about the heat, believe it or not. I oh, was that um, when we had that cold snap in Sydney. And it got, yeah, yeah, probably it, was. it got up to 18. Probably was. They're all fucking, <laughs> They've spent like 50,000 bucks on fucking after sun, aloe vera and shit. So these fucking pommy pricks are probably just right now lying in a bed with the air conditioning on and, you know, putting after sun on each other because that's the sort of thing they do. But, um, yeah, I th- just think it's, a you know, I would rather play against a quality team rather than a, I don't know, a hobby side like St. Helens. I just I'm think gonna... it's sad. I've I think never it, heard of them called, uh, or any English team called a hobby team before. That's uh, that's uh, cute. Am I am I wrong? They're they're owned by a rich guy, right? If he pulled his money out, they disappear. Who, who is the actual team. owner? Uh, it's this fucking old guy in England. <laughs> so, you know, do do we know what he owns? No, I don't know what he owns. Oh, okay. McManus, I think his name is. McManus, James? Ah, uh, no, nah, I think it's Eamon McManus. Eamon? Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, well, he'll own some fucking lorry company or a, you know, fucking battery hand company or some shit. 
what else do they make over it? They don't make anything in England anymore. No, that's true. He'll own some. They'll own some fucking brewery or something where they import all the ingredients. I, I want to know. He owns a glass company. Glass company? No, I don't know, but, like, it makes sense if he did, wouldn't it? He owns a bricklaying company. Really? No, I don't know, but it <laughs> would make sense, wouldn't it? Like, it's something like that. Oh man! You know, it's a fleet of plasterers. Callaplasterer.co.uk. I don't know what he does, but he owns a hobby club. He was a solicitor in London. Ah, oh, good for him. Everything I said was allegedly, clients. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think is that what he still does. He studied at Cambridge. Yeah, he was an investment bank of HSBC. Oh, good for him. Well, he yeah. knows how to—he th- knows how to throw away money. Yeah, man of the people. <laughs> He's from the working class of Cambridge. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, but we got a bit distracted there. Yeah. Well, look, it's a hobby club. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with being a hobby club. Well, we go from the uh, the investment banker slash brickie in Cambridge mm-hmm. to the bloke who's never done anything important that's currently running the NRL at the moment in Andrew Abdo. Yes. Who doesn't watch a game of rugby league. No, but he does have a very good grasp of corporate speak. Apparently so. Um, He and and Volandis are still at loggerheads with the RLPA. Yeah, there was something that I, and look, I didn't follow it up, but there was something that, People were upset that they there was a conversation that was recorded between officials. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, look, I only read a little, pretty much that about it. Um, I will say this: it's it's not on that you go recording a conversation in, in negotiations and stuff like that. I don't know why you'd want to do that. That sounds deceptive more than or duplicitous. Maybe it sounds really weird that you would do something like that. Why would you yeah, record a conversation in a negotiation? I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, look, especially in a situation where it's not about money. Like, I should understand if they somebody put a recorder on the table and said, well, I want to record these negotiations. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're not haggling over money. They're haggling over terms. And I don't know. It just it feels like somebody did it to try and undermine the other side. And the weird thing is, I don't know which side did it and I don't know how it was undermining the other side, but I can understand why everyone was unhappy about it because in those situations, you need to be able to have a free exchange of ideas and thoughts and opinions. You need to be able to disagree. And something like that can be taken wildly out of context, especially if it's edited in any way. Yeah. Okay. I found the article about it. It says, the NRL legal team has begun interviewing its own staff members after a senior employee was accused of secret recording a meeting with players amid a bitter pay dispute between the game stars and its governing body. Revealed a member of the NRL executive team had been seen allegedly recording conversations at last Friday's annual Leaders in League conference. See, Um, that that person should no longer be part of the negotiations. Correct. Actually, I wouldn't even have him in the NRL. Yeah, same here. Covertly recording the session. 
It's just, um, it, it's a weird thing to do. Like, it's football. We're yeah. talking about football here, you know? It says, upon arrival, Andrew Abdo was accompanied by an NRL employee. This was disappointing given the employee was not invited, nor had Andrew given any forewarning that that employee would be attending. And I'm assuming that that employee is the one who is recording the conversation. Mm. Um, that's, yeah, that's a bad look. That I really is. I don't know what Andrew Abdul was doing. That sounds, let's be honest, it sounds fucking stupid. Mm -hmm. And when you've lost a big chunk of the negotiating power because you have taken till now to get this done and the season's about to kick off, doing stupid shit like this is not going to help your cause because the players are now going to be in a situation where they can call the season off if they want to. Yeah. And I, look, I don't think they want to. No, they don't want to. That's not not entirely in their best interest. But they've got that up their sleeve if they want to. Yeah. Look, it, I, it, it is silly that this wasn't done months ago. And the RLPA, you know, that the, the money is not the issue. As we've said, it's the terms of the, the contracts that they're putting out there for everybody. Um, the RLPA have said that they will do things such as not talk to the media and, and, and stuff like that as a first step towards a, many different steps that would down the line lead to um, it proper industrial action where they wouldn't pay, take part in games. I think, I've said this all along, I think it's all going to get sorted out in time. I don't think it'll be an issue. Um, it's just, it's all negotiation tactics from either side. But that sort of thing, I don't know, it, it feels underhanded. It feels very weird to me. Um, I, my mind wouldn't go somewhere like that to secretly record these meetings, and you just wouldn't have any uh, any trust in the person that allowed that to happen whatsoever. No. I, the only reason why I could think that he'd want to record the conversation is because he is, and when I say hey, I'm talking about Andrew Abdo, he is completely lacking in the confidence and or the ability to do these negotiations on his own. So he wants to share what was said with somebody else who he feels can help him do that, which if that is the case, and I'm not saying it is, but if that is the case, then he shouldn't be in that position either. I can't think of any other reason that seems genuine and not sinister as to why you'd record a conversation in that in the situation. Like that would be the only mm. genuine way where there's nothing nasty intended behind it. I'm not saying it's right to do it, but that would be the only way I could think of anything. And if that's the case, you shouldn't be doing that job. Yeah, true. And and as you say, that's the that's the best case scenario. You yeah. know, the worst case scenario is that this is something that was gonna be, say, leaked to the media, um, or used as as ammunition in, in some in, in the negotiations against whoever they're negotiating against. And I'm not saying anything is, you know, underhanded that's going on at all. But, you know, if, if you're negotiating for your own contract and that's not what they're doing, they're negotiating for everyone's contracts. And somebody says, listen, I was recording everything that was said at our last meeting. You wouldn't want that getting out, would you? It, it's, a, it's a dirty tactic. And I just Very much think so. that... Uh, but the fact that the RLPA hasn't absolutely exploded over this shows a lot of maturity and 
Um, Professionalism on their behalf. Yeah, yeah, because I less so on the NRL's behalf. Yeah, because I know if it was me, I would I wouldn't show that maturity. I'd be like, well, I'm not negotiating with him in the room anymore, or anybody he decides to bring into the room anymore. Yes, um, it it's a really crazy situation. Mm. Um, now, apparently, the NRL and the RLPA are going to be having a three day summit to try and rectify this. Uh, if they don't get this sorted in those three days, though, mm-hmm. mm. look, I think they will. I think they will, and, and look, they have to. Yeah, and it's it's the game's money, and I understand that the game needs to be run like a business, and it needs to make money to continue to move forward. And I think the players are aware of that. So I think that they'll come to an agreement. And one of the things I'll say is I don't think that the players want anything that's above and beyond what the game can do. And I think they've been like that for a very long time. So, I, you know, I don't think either side is is being nasty about their position. I just think it's a case of, look, we've got to do this right. It should have been done months and months ago as far as the NRL is concerned. I don't know. They shouldn't be going on holidays in the off-season. That's not their job. They're in administration. Um, but I think they'll get there. I think this is all just a – I think it's something that the media is talking about in the off-season. I know it needs to be done. I know it's important, but I think that it's it's not a big deal as a lot of the media is making it out to be. I think that it's always going to get done. I think on that, though, I actually think that um, PVL's very close relationship with the media – it's probably part of the reason why, and probably the only upper hand that the NRL has, is that PVL will have the media on his side. And I think that might be part of the reason why so much of this has been played out in the media, which is, again, pretty nasty. I mean, we saw when this started to stir up back in January mm-hmm. that the media immediately, like, you know, that dumb fuckwit, uh, Mark Levy, blown up saying, oh, the players are greedy for more money without realising that they weren't asking for more money. Yeah. But that was kind of the sentiment that the media would have been um, happy to go with because mm-hmm. it would have put the NRL as the good guys trying to do the right thing by the game and these players are just greedy assholes and that sort of thing. It's all about that perspective thing. Um, but thankfully, the, the RLPA has not backed down and they've been very clear about what they're doing and that it's not about greed. It's not about players trying to get paid more. There's a huge amount more to it and it's got nothing, very little to do with their current salaries. Yeah, and the players that are talking on behalf of the playing group, even across clubs, they're, they're being very smart about how they talk about it. Um, they're not inflaming the situation they're being very concise about what they're pushing for, and it is not money. It's not extra money. So, you know, and I think that the media's reaction to it, they just want to make a story out of everything. That's their job. They don't do it well because they normally just mark rake. But, um, you know, it, it's – I think a lot of the, the media also just find it – like if you go on AM radio station – you're going to get more of a reaction saying these players are overpaid and they shouldn't get more money. They're greedy. You're going to get more reaction from that than you are by saying, well, you know, they're, they're negotiating for the terms of their deals and, and they don't want more money. And 
it's just the way it works, you know. I, I was listening to an AM station today uh, when I was going to get some to eat, and I was just floored by how fucking terrible it is. Just so bad. I didn't know it still existed. Well, <laughs> like, their, their audience must be all 80 years old, you know. <laughs> it's all 80-year-olds. <clears throat> Turn on the wireless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's. I think the thing that's weird too is that the NRL is not talking about this, like as far as content on their website goes. Mm. They're not even towing the NRL's line there. They're just pretending like none of this negotiation is taking place and everything's rosy, which yeah. I find a, a bit weird, given that the media's made such a big thing out of it all. You'd think they'd be keen to clarify things and, and set the record straight. But they're happy for this to play out in the media. That's what I'm getting out of it. Because See, I, 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 the media's kind of backing them a little bit. Yeah, just a bit. And I think that the... Uh, I, I think I'm fine with that, you know. it. It'd be interesting if the, if the NRL had, like, its website, but then it had a, a different section of it to put out the really... Um, don't they have a corporate section on there? Yeah, the, a corporate section. I don't know. I really don't know. So we used to find all of the um, the annual reports and stuff. Reports and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's still there. I haven't gone to the NRO website properly for a while now. I'll every so often I'll have a quick look at if there's any like because they basically put up puff pieces and that's fine. Like that's what the NRO website should be. Yeah. Um, but. You know, sometimes to to get the real stories, you can't go to the NRL website. Although when there is something big, they do cover it, whether it's good or bad for the game. Um, yeah. But there's some stuff that they don't cover, and, and that's fine. I've got no problems with that. Yeah, they've got operations on there. If you go to nrl.com slash operations, you'll see that sort of corporate stuff in there. Okay. It's largely unchanged over the last 19 years. Um no, I just think it would have been if they didn't have to say much. One article, just come out and say, "Look, there's been some conjecture in the media about what the players are after." Mm-hmm. As we understand it, these are their concerns, and this is what we're working on. They don't have to say that they agree on it. They don't have to say that this has been agreed to or approved or anything like that. Just confirm what it is the players are after. Yeah, and that sets the record straight. And that, more than anything, builds trust between the two. I I guess the other thing is too that if I was if I was from the players association I would I would look at that as hang on the NRL website should be everyone's website it shouldn't just be a mouthpiece for the NRL administration itself and that could be divisive um but so I just but if they're just clarifying the RLPA stance yeah. Then it shows that both the RLPA and the NRL are on the same page. And what the media's talking about is wank. Yeah, I see that. I see that and point of view. I just too. think it, yeah. would, it would build a bit of trust and respect between the two. But allowing the media to run whatever agenda it wants and the RLPA having to constantly correct them, it shows that the RLPA is putting in a lot of effort and a lot of work while the NRL is sitting back mm-hmm. and just letting shit happen. Yeah. Um, just seems weird that they do that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's the more clarity, the better. Um, exactly. 
Oh, my guess is that they're really close to a deal and this three day conference that they're going to hold, which I always think is kind of funny. Like I, I always just think of how much is that going to cost? <laughs> you know, It's like those um, international rugby league meetings where they, they say, well, we're going to have a five day conference in, in Singapore. You know, and it's like, well, how much is that costing everyone? Cause I know you aren't paying for your own hotels and your own flights. And you, like, you know, I know that you're getting the food is also catered for and stuff. So, um, but you know, they'll get the deal done and everyone will be happy with it until the next time around. Yeah. You know, and why there? Like, why do they go to these places where rugby league is barely ever played? It's a really good question. It's a common one. They, they, I was thinking today about how the, uh, International Rugby League headquarters is in London. Mm. How fucking re- just ridiculous that is. Well, I mean, where else would you put it? Yeah, well, anyway. Well, I mean, <laughs> sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play, um, devil's advocate here. Okay. What's, what's the capital of the world? <laughs> the capital of the world, uh, if you go by movies, it is either LA or New York. Yeah, but no one, I mean, People know that America is not not the center of the world. Only Americans think that. <laughs> what's the what's the uh, highest population for a city? Isn't it Tokyo? It'd be Tokyo or Beijing, wouldn't it? Oh, I think it might be Tokyo. Wouldn't it be one of the capitals, um, major cities in India? You reckon? Possibly. It could also be. Uh, Could weirdly be could it weirdly be um Sao Paulo in uh, Brazil? Let's have a look here. Let's find out. Tokyo, thirty nine million. There you go. Jakarta, thirty five million. Mm-hmm. I can't pronounce the next one, so we'll just go with that. What's the next one? Um Chongqing in China, thirty two million. Never heard of that place. Yeah, neither have I. Delhi, twenty-eight million. Shanghai, twenty-six million. Seoul, twenty-six million. There you go. Isn't it weird that there are cities in the world that have a gigantic population, tens of millions of people? Yeah, that you've never heard of. Like you could, there are places in China where you could go to a city that has sixteen million people in it, and you've never even heard of it. No. It's very strange. It's half the size of Australia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't know where that comes from. I anyway, have a, I have a question for you, Andrew. I was going to say, we've been full of information so far, but yes, what's your uh, question? What were your thoughts on uh, today's trial match between the Warriors and West Tigers in which the Warriors over there in New Zealand, I think it was, I uh, don't know where it was played. Um, but Hell. They, they played, <laughs> they they Warriors won 48 points to 12 against the West Tigers. Now, it is just a trial. It's just a trial, you know. But I was thinking trial matches, there's a lot of different results, but it's and it's generally good if you look great, and it's generally bad if you look terrible. Now, I didn't watch this game. <clears throat> if you lose anything to the New Zealand Warriors with any part of your club and you lose at 48 points to 12... I, I feel like that's not a good thing. Yeah, look, I'll, judging by looking at the lineups, the Warriors fielded a, a stronger side than the Tigers did. Tigers have got a, um, it was a largely a second string team. There's a few first graders in there. 
Um, but sounds like I, their best side then. <laughs> well, no, none of their spine were. Um, I, I don't think any of their spine will be playing in the will be first choice options in their spine in the NRL. <clears throat> um, for example, Charlie Staines is a fullback. Um, and I, he had a mixed game. There's a few people uh, talking up how well he played. There's a few others that have weren't impressed. Mm-hmm. Um, all I can tell you about what I saw in the few highlights of the game was Charlie Staines got absolutely fucking poleaxed trying to make a tackle. The whiplash he got. Mm. It'd make Formula One drivers crap, you know, just cringe going, oh, geez, the G-forces on that thing. Um, man, it was savage. And he came running across to make a tackle and just snap. Man, that was just brutal. Yeah. But, um, so looking at the team lives, I, I didn't, I didn't expect the Tigers to win. Mm-hmm. And you're not really worried if it's a win or a loss. The no. one thing I wanted to see more than anything else in the trials, and it doesn't matter who's playing, I want to see for the Tigers an intelligent and different defensive structure in place. Mm-hmm. And that was not there. Mm-hmm. And so I mentioned this on Twitter and while people saying it's only a trial and blah, 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 it wasn't our first grade side. The problem is... Even our second string players are still using that as their first option when it comes to the defensive structure. Mm-hmm. So the problem with the Tigers' defensive structure at the moment is, first of all, it's slow moving. So that means it's reactive, mm-hmm. which means they're allowing the ball players to run. And when they're doing that, they're able to isolate defenders one-on-one. None of this is good. And then you've got either the winger or... The man inside him, sometimes it's the halfback, usually it's the centre, is more often than not isolating themselves for no reason. So they'll either drop back too early or they'll stay up in the line while everyone else is sliding or dropping back, which means there's a hole either way. And I don't know why they're doing that, but they were doing it a lot last year. And to still see them doing it now, I know it's the second string players, they're not going to be playing first grade, but they've had an off season to get that rubbish coached out of them. And it, yeah. trust me, it would not take long to coach it out. Okay. It's it's more time consuming to coach attacking plays. There's little nuances involved in it. You've got to wait for defenders to move into certain positions. You need them in to be in certain places to start with. You need players running on certain lines and certain deco runners. There's a lot of moving parts in an, in an attacking play. With the defensive structure, and you see this with, and I mentioned these two the most because these are the two best examples, the current Panther side and the 2016 Shark side. There's a mm-hmm. lot of similarities, and that's because what they did better than anybody else at those two sides is they move as one unit. Mm-hmm. And... What they very what the Panthers are good at, and I've, I haven't seen a team defensively do this anywhere near as well, is as soon as they see that a attacker has isolated themselves or they've run out of options, they fucking swarm on him and they shut that shit down. Yeah, and they do it so well and so quickly and so effectively, it usually causes a lot of the attacking players to stop where they are and then run backwards because some of them are either in the, at the same line as the ball carrier or they've overran. And so they've all got to run back. And that means 
you waste the next tackle trying to get everyone back into where they need to be. A lot of good examples of that in the first half of last year's grand final. Yeah, and they are so good at it. They they they're able to isolate a an attacker and just shut them down so quick and just it burns two tackles. Mm. It's such a smart thing. It's simple. It's smart. They're really good at it. Um, but the worst defensive sides, they're 100% reactionary. They're not taking any um, risks. They're not – and when I say risks, like rushing up, and you don't have to have one person rushing up. That's that's a bad risk because more often than not, that leads to failure. You've got to rush up as twos, threes, fours. Yeah. Because that's, that's basically a whole line going up. But you've got enough cover defense coming around to look after any changes in direction. But you're not going to be able to change direction when there's four men coming up as a wall. Yeah. They're shutting shit down. And your cover defenders on the inside, they're going to be there ready for that. The only other option is to come back in field. So they're going to be there waiting. The Tigers don't do that. They slide slowly left and right and not all together. So if the play's on the left-hand side of the field, they'll slide in the same direction the ball player's going. So all the ball player has to do change the direction, or kick back across field, there's either going to be a massive gap in the middle or the defense on the other side of the field is stationary. Yeah. And a stationary defender is always going to get out-muscled because there's no momentum behind it. It's all physics now. You know, If you're not moving forward with any force, then any force moving towards you is going to push you over. It's simple as that. And that's the problem the Tigers have got. They're not on the front foot defensively. They're either sideways or on the back foot. You'll concede points all day long, and that's why they finished last. And, and it's off to a well, good that, start. That, that's what happened again this year yeah. in this trial match. And I'm going, it's not about the fact that it wasn't the first great side. It's the fact that that's still what they think is the right defensive method. And it's not. It doesn't yeah, work. Yeah. You want continuity throughout your grades so that when a players move up and down through the grades, they're not learning a new system going up into first grade and things like that. So, um you know, and you want your lower graders to do well against, even when they're playing first grade opposition. And, you know, we saw a little bit last year when the Panthers basically put their reserve grade team into first grade for the last couple of weeks, um, bar a few first graders here and there. And we saw that they they kept themselves together. They weren't getting flogged or anything like that. They were actually going all right. And we were talking about, like, could this could their reserve grade team make the top eight, you know? Um, and, and and so, you know, it's nothing to panic about, but I really do. I, I've seen too many pre-seasons through so many sports where you'll get good teams that'll be smashing everyone and then they come into the season and they do really well. And then I've seen teams that think they're going to go well in the season and have a really bad pre-season. And they're like, ah, oh, it's just a preseason. Don't worry about it. And this, you can see there's a problem when the season gets underway. And it's like, oh, maybe it was a sign, you know. Maybe it was the, the canary in the coal mine situation where it was it was a symptom of something that's going to be a problem throughout the year. And look, the West Tigers were last last year. They're, they're coming from a, a pretty low base, it must be said. But, um, you know, for a club that's talked so much, it was uh, it wasn't a great great first up game for them. No, and look, a lot of the talk too is how, and I'm not surprised by this, how the West Tigers are going back to 2005. Yeah, thinking that you know 
the way you play to win games is what we did 18 years ago. Um, <clears throat> the game today is zero, like 2005. Let's let's be honest. Yeah. The way you find success now is off the back of a strong defence. Yeah. So, classic example, okay, in 2005, the Tigers conceded just under 24 points per game. That's a lot. Now, these are the teams in their ranking that were better defensively than the Tigers in 2005. Remember, this is the year the Tigers won the Premiership. Yeah. Parramatta, who were first. Dragons were second. Broncos, third. Cowboys, fifth. Storm, sixth. Sharks, seventh. Roosters, ninth. Panthers, tenth. And the Warriors, eleventh, all had better defense than the Tigers in 2005. That's crazy. Because that's how the game was. You didn't need good defense. Yeah. You just had good attack, and you would get there. But now... The top eight defensive sides last year all finished in the top eight. Yeah. Right? Parramatta was the worst defensive team in the top eight. They were the only one to concede over 20 points per game, and it was 20.38, which is still almost a try per game less than the Tigers of 05. Mm-hmm. You can't – you cannot just go, you know what, we're going to throw the ball around and we're going to – be an attacking force and think that that's enough to win. It doesn't work anymore. The way you get victories now is you grind a team down defensively, you frustrate them, you shut them down, and then you score off the back of it. It's It doesn't sound great, but that's how the game is now. It's all possession. It's all defense. I also think that, you know, when you're looking at the, the current top teams in the competition and you're thinking about, like, how will we? Because you want to be a little bit different. You don't want to just clone every other team. You want to try and have something extra that they don't have. And I think one of the problems at the moment is that the Panthers' defense is so good, and we've both said best defensive team we've seen in our lifetimes. Um, their defense is so good that I think even if you put together a really great attacking team, that's not going to work against this defense. Like you've got to basically try and match it with the Panthers defensively and then hope that, you know, the bounce of the ball goes your way or they make mistakes or something like that, you know. Um, and it's it's a hard gamble to make. And you just look at the, the games that the Panthers have lost over the last three years and there's not many of them for that reason because their their entire thing is just based around that defense. Their attack it can be super clunky. Their attack can be really disappointing at times, but it doesn't matter because they're, they're just stopping everyone. Yeah, I mean, the Panthers, just, just in the regular season, they've conceded 854 points across all of the last three seasons. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. They haven't been the best attacking side, but they've definitely been the best defensive side. And that is crazy. Mm. It's insane. They haven't conceded 500 points in a season since 2013. That That's surprising, you know, that because there's been points up until this core of players come together. There's been times where the Panthers had some okay teams, like could maybe could break the top eight here and there. Um, you know, they've developed some very good players during that time, um, but they just didn't pull it all together, really, mm. um, until, it, like, this 
group of players sort of come through at the same time. It's a bit of a weird situation. Um, but, but yeah, they're, they're starting to get a lot of numbers that are long-term numbers that are pretty good. And it is, it's been capped by this incredible moment that we're seeing. And I was, I, it's funny, the Panthers put out a, a video, like a pre-season video during the week on Twitter. And it was really well put together. And I was watching it and I was thinking like, like my wildest dreams, I would never have thought I could see the Panthers doing what they're doing right now. And went to the leagues club a few weeks ago with a friend of mine from over in England who, who was over and they had all of the trophies in the, um, in the foyer. And it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird to walk in the, the foyer and all of the trophies are there from all the grades. Like it's crazy. It's a crazy moment we're seeing and I cannot believe it's my club. It still doesn't feel real. Um, and, and I think that that needs to be remembered when we're talking about all this sort of different stuff. Like normally it was the storm that we would talk about would say what the storm are doing is very different. Normally a team isn't this good for this long and, you know, we talk about that and then there's this Panther side's come along and it's like, well, this is fucking, this is just an anomaly in anything we've really seen before. Um, or seen in the modern game, I should say, you know, yeah. since the 10 meter rule come in. They've got so many guys that are now in that, you know, 23, 24 to 27, 28 sort of age group. Mm-hmm. They're at the peak of their careers, and they've still got they've still got room to get better. Well, it makes it's me wonder. It makes yeah, it really is. It makes me wonder. Like once once Cleary and and uh, Luai, when they really get to that point in their careers where everything they've seen everything, and look, they've probably almost seen everything now, just through all their grand finals they've been in already. They've been in World Cups, they've been in big games, they've been in origin games, they've been in test matches, all that sort of stuff. Um, but when they get to that master level, which is the last step, and if they start doing that behind this defensive wall that Penrith have built, and then on top of that, the the younger players that are coming into this team from all of those grades that won everything except one trophy. I can't remember which one it was that didn't win, but, um, you know, we're seeing something that is just strange and we need to acknowledge that and say, like, at some point there might be nothing that other teams can do at certain times over the next couple of years against the Panthers. Mm. Like, I I was thinking about this season – because we're, we're getting close to our season preview doing that. And I was thinking about the teams that you'd normally think about who would be the team that is going to be the one to beat. And it's it's Penrith, right? But then who's the one that's going to challenge them? And I can pick out probably four or five challenges, but none of them really step out from that challenger crowd. Like Parramatta did a little bit last year, you know? And yeah. Like, I I don't know if I'm wrong in saying it. I think that the biggest challenge the Panthers have is their legs not giving out on them just because of all the football they'll have played over the last few years. You know, you make three grand finals, now make a fourth one, 
in the modern era after back for World Cup year? I think it might be motivation. Like when you're at the top and you've won back to back premierships, I think it would be pretty hard to stay motivated. I think we saw that with the Roosters after they won back to back. It's hard to stay motivated and keep that level of intensity up. I was worried about that last year. And then the, they walked away with a massive lead in the premiership, had it whittled down because they had injuries and, and suspensions and stuff. And then they come into the final series and were just a, a bunch of like monsters, you know, and then that, that grand final is, I, I, I've never seen football like that. That was, that, especially that first half. I've never Clinical. seen a team just assault another team like that. Clinical. Yeah, it was, to, and to, to see everyone going like, you start the game, it's like, okay, what are we going to see happen? And at halftime, the narrative is like, oh, we're watching one of the best teams that has been around for a very long time at halftime, and the grand final's over. Um, but it's a weird situation. So I don't know that motor. And I, the other thing is, I too, I think that this group of Panthers players, they understand that they're in a moment and that this is different. And um, I think where other teams there has been a a lack of uh, maybe I don't know a lack of awareness of that. I think because they're so young, they know that if they stick together to a certain certain you know level, they're going to be good for they could be good for another six or seven years easily. Yeah. And when I say good, I mean top four. You know. Um, and I think they know that, and I think that uh, some of them have taken less money to stick around for that. Um, it's just a very – it's a strange situation. It's like watching an experiment play out in <laughs> rugby league. It's like what would happen if you just got a club and you you just had a production line of juniors that were the, basically the best in their class and you already had a great team that was doing great, great, great things – it's like, okay, let's watch what happens because where does it end? Like, it's going to end. Can't go on forever. But That's right. how does it fucking end? <laughs> when? Yeah, like, it's hard to think of them falling off a cliff, right, just because of the depth thing. The, well, they've right. kept their better players, you know. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work. It's... um. It's at this time when you've won back-to-back premierships and your pl- your playing squad at its core is in their mid twenties. Yeah, that you've got to start looking at the next crop of sixteen and seventeen-year-olds coming along mm-hmm. and seeing which of those are capable of replacing twenty-seven-year-old players. Yeah, not now, but in three, four years' time, who's going to yeah. start coming off the production line to keep that momentum going? And, and the thing is that, like, the Panthers just on uh, numbers, and it's a pure numbers game. Like, I, I don't know if you could even say that they do a better job of producing their juniors. That You could just literally say, look, it's a numbers game. Of course, they're going to end up with a, a good group of juniors. But they they spit out, like, a top-class international talent from whatever nation it is every, like, two years or so, you know, it, 
and they've even done that when they're at their worst. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's insane. It's insane. I, it, I I've never come across um, probably only the storm side, mm. which unfortunately got done, or not unfortunately, they got done cheating the cap. It is yeah. unfortunate because they were a great side, and we got because of their own stupid handling of the salary cap that got broken apart because, I mean, who knows what that could have produced if they were able to keep them together. Yeah. Um, yeah, that team, illegally assembled, looked insanely strong. I think the Raiders side of 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, that sort of region, mm-hmm. um, again, if they hadn't have um, broken the salary cap, and didn't have to shed so many players in 91, 92. God, who knows what they could have achieved. Mm-hmm. Um, that Broncos side around the same time and the Broncos side at the end of the 90s. Mm-hmm. But all of them end up having like flickers of dominance. Yeah. And they weren't able to sustain it for the following two, three seasons. And that's the difference. And it's It's hard when you're witnessing it at the time to accept or even say, even to bluntly say, this Panther side is better than the Broncos side that played in Super League in the first season of the NRL. Because mm. you go, well, that Broncos side won the Super League title. They won the NRL title. But then they didn't win anything in 99. They weren't even in the grand final in 99. Mm-hmm. You know, this Panther side went runners-up, premiers, premiers. And you can't say they look like they're going anywhere now. Like, they are absolutely the favourites for the title again this year, rightfully so. Mm. How can they not be? <laughs> you know, so it's, you've got to start looking at it that way. And if people, it doesn't matter what team it is either. People are reluctant to do that because they hold some teams they used to see in the past at a higher standard for some reason. They're called the Roosters. Um <laughs> <laughs> I've heard people say the Roosters should be second favourites, and I look at their side, and I'm like, you know, they, they've their halves worrying me because Kiri, I I don't know that you can depend on him getting through a season, and that's not his fault. It's just how it is. Then they've got Walker, who, you know, he's a young bloke. He's very very talented, but man, he he's getting bashed up when he plays the game. And then they've got an aging forward pack to a certain extent. Um, well, I mean, on that forward pack too, it was confirmed. Um, was it confirmed? Maybe revealed that um, Angus Crichton could be out for half to maybe the entire season due to some, allegedly, some personal drama. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's going to take a, a leave to, to deal with that. And that's... Perfectly fine. If that's what he's got to do, then that's what he's got to do, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mental health is vitally important, so you've got to get that shit right. Um, yeah. But that's a massive loss to the to the Roosters if he does go, because the problem they do have, even if you're if you be as positive as possible about their best seventeen, they don't have much depth. True and. Their best play, like their best players, are a fullback, a center, and at this stage, a winger in Suwali. And uh, 
you know, it, it's hard for players, and they they're brilliant players, all of them. Like I'm, I love watching every single one of them play, but it's difficult for those three players to break through against a a team that is just as well-rounded as the Panthers, you know. Um, we saw that with Parramatta. Parramatta had some really good star players like Paulo and, you know, it. it's just very difficult. It, it's really weird to go into a season and be like, how's, how's anyone going to beat this team? Like, I feel like it's been a very long time since we've had a season where a team has been so clearly a favourite. And I'm, I I wonder if I think that and then I, I'm like, yeah, but am I being biased towards the Panthers? And then I go through the list and I'm like, well, the you know, Cowboys don't really worry me too much. The, the, the Eels are done, you know. The Sharks do not worry me whatsoever. The, the Roosters don't worry me. The Raiders don't worry me. Like I just go down the list and it's like, where's the team that's supposed to worry me? The, the Storm don't worry me now. Who's the team that's going to challenge them? And look, we could see them emerge. It happens, you know, but that's why. I can't wait for the season to start because that's why we play the games. I think I think the team that might be the most surprising, mm-hmm. not saying they're going to be a threat or that big challenge that you're after, mm. I think the team though that might be more surprising is the Sharks because for anything else, so little player change to their roster. Mm-hmm. So they they started the season reasonably well last year, but cohesion was not great. That's not going to be a problem this year. Yeah. Um, their forward pack and forward depth is very, very good. And their defense last year was the, def- the second best defense in the comp, I think. Might have been third best. It was very close between second and third from memory. I think it was four points or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also their best defensive effort in a regular season since 1999. Mm-hmm. And 99-2000 were years where lots of points were scored. And the Sharks were a very, very strong defensive side, obviously, in 99. So to be in that realm is impressive enough. Um, and that, that's considering a lot of people would have thought you know, under the the Flanagan time as well, that the Sharks were one of those teams that, you know, they ground you down and they had a lot of those tight, close games, yet they were never a defensively stronger team than the side that played last year, which probably would surprise a few people. Yeah, especially considering all of the advantages that they decided (laughs) to take over every single other club illegally. Um, But I don't know. I just, I look at the Sharks, right, and I think, I think that they're they're a solid play by the numbers side, right? The, are they as good as the Panthers defensively? Like no one is, no one is, no one is. No, but and, what they what they then, do have though is a varied attack, which when it's on, um, I think when their attack is on, it's the only one that would genuinely pose a threat to the Panthers' defense. You reckon? But, but it has to be on. Well, it is because you think the one thing that was an issue all the time for Moylan was once he left Penrith, and even mm-hmm. these last few seasons of Penrith, they went, you're a halfback. We need you to be the general now. And that's just not what he's capable of because mm-hmm. what he had, you know, 
when he was young, Matt Moylan. Very good running game, good support player, and he's a good sort of link fullback. He played like a genuine 5 8 does today. With Nico Hines, he does rove a lot more than most halfbacks on both sides of the field. It's left Moylan with no major responsibilities as far as ball playing goes, and he's gone back to being that really good ball, um, ball runner. And he does have a good passing game. And because they've simplified his game so much, it's freed him up a lot mentally. And he's just playing what's in front of him, which is back to what Moylan does best, which is why last year was the best season he's had in years. But you've also thrown the fact that edge forwards are different, which, you know, you've got Wade Graham on the left side. He's got um, he's got a very, very good short-kicking game. Um He's, he's a reasonably good line runner. He does run a pretty good decoy because people see him as a threat out there because he used to be a 5'8", so he does have some good ball skills. So he's able to be a good decoy and draw a few defenders around, and he knows how to use that that skill. Um, on the other side of the field, you've got Nakora, who runs those reverse angles back towards the post better than any second rower does at the moment. He's insanely strong line runner. And you've got people like Talakai, who can play out there as well. Um, Tig Wilton, who's a big human, who plays just just outside the middle of the field as well and sort of isolates that smaller guy just on the edge. Um, little things that they do like that. Very, very clever. And they've still got the big guys just rolling through the middle. And when they come, the starting forwards come off, the guys that come on to replace them off the bench, they just keep that momentum going. Um, it's... It all has to click and it all has to fire. But if it does, it's the only attack I can see that would genuinely worry the Panthers' defense. Only because it throws so much constantly and it can throw varied stuff all over the place all the time So and, and make it stick. But as I said, it has to click. See, I'd be totally shocked if the Panthers lost a, a game this season to the Sharks. I just think, well, the Panthers will shut them down. Uh, and I, I I don't see... I think to beat the Panthers, you need players that have physically gifted individuals. And I, I just feel as though that you need... You know, you need your Latrell Mitchells to do something outrageous. Stuff like that. Sometimes. But the, the thing is, okay, the Panthers are good at isolating those players and shutting them down. You you don't see highlight reels of Latrell Mitchell against Panthers carving up the Panthers. Yeah, yeah, doesn't happen. I, I, they 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 got a very smart kicking game, which keeps the ball away from him, keeps him turning around, running backwards, which allows their very fast uh, defensive line, especially on the um, following a kick, to shut him down before he gets any momentum and before he gets close to support runners. Well, so he's all at, on his own every time. You look at. <clears throat> when Penrith play Manly and Trebojevic has played, it's, it's just not a problem, you know, because they're so good at isolating players and yeah. and making them do what they want them to do, making them be on the field where they want them to be and expect them to be. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just, I, I just, look at, at the odds of Penrith winning the grand final. Like if you go by rugby league history, are infinitesimally small, right? <laughs> By the numbers, they will not win this year. And if they do win this year, it is 
extremely incredible. First time since Parramatta, 80, 81, 82? Yeah. Never been done under the 10-meter rule. And the number of teams that have won three three grand finals is not big at all. No, it's very small. So, if like, the odds are they will not win. The odds are that somebody else will beat them. And yet I look at the competition and I'm like, <laughs> they're a young side. They're the premiers. They've got uh, most of their team still there. You know, they're missing Kikau and, and uh, Coruscant. But, you know, Coruscant, I think they relied on him less than they did the previous year. Kikau's a big loss, but, you know, I think that they can replicate a good chunk of what he would do uh, in a different way. And, and, you know, it's a really weird thing because they should, we should be going into this point in their, their premiership run where we're saying, Man, they had a really good run, but God, they're just long in the tooth now. And they're not. Their best years are ahead of them. Yep. What the fuck? Yeah. It, mate, it's, I've never seen it. it. And that's why I think I struggle with it because – and that and the fact that I followed them is because there's so many things that logically I should be saying, ah, yeah, they had a good run. It's, it's, you can't do it again. It's too much work. It's hard to stay up for that long, that many seasons. You know, they've lost too many players and blah, 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 blah. You go down the line of all the reasons why teams don't win three in a row. And a lot of those reasons are not there for the Panthers. And that, for me, is really weird. Because if we we'll just if this was a standalone season, take away the last couple of years, I'd come into this season and say, it's going to be really fucking hard to beat the Panthers. I just don't know who's going to do it. But because of all of that weight of what history tells us, I'm trying to find a reason why they're not going to win it. And it's, I don't know that I can. Let it's me, so strange. Let me ask you a, a stupid hypothetical. Okay. The Penrith's not in the NRL. Okay. Who's in the grand final this year? I like the Cowboys because I think they've brought variation into their forward pack. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that their halves will be more settled and their cohesion there will be a little bit better. And I like the attacking um, prowess of some of their outside backs. So I like them. The other team, I don't know. That this that second team, I'm not really sure. I would probably say the Sharks on consistency and everything we've talked about. Yeah, um, look, for me, yeah, Cowboys, Sharks, Roosters, um, South, I'd probably have as the four strongest candidates yeah, outside so, the Panthers. I keep on, look, I keep on forgetting South, hey, and I don't know why, because I think it's because they've lost a little bit in their forwards, which worries me, because their forwards were their weakest element, and but they... They come together pretty good in the finals, you know? Yeah. I think the thing, though, that we did see, which was a bit of a worry, was Cody Walker not knowing whether he had to be the general Mm -hmm. or whether he still had to play his role as the ball runner, you know, second receiver type thing, because he sort of plays more of that classical sort of role. Yeah. And that's sort of 
struggle within the club and their their structure and stuff like that. Sort of badgered them for the first half of the season last year. But when they finally figured it out, um, they were very nearly unstoppable. You think um, from round 16, they beat Parramatta comfortably, Newcastle comfortably, Canterbury, poor defence. They beat Melbourne by 12. They lost by one point to the Sharks. They flogged the Warriors. They beat Parramatta 26-0. They lost by four points to Penrith. Mm-hmm. They beat the Cowboys by 10. They lost by 10 to the Roosters and then beat them by 16 in the first week of the finals. They then beat the Sharks by 26 in the second week of the uh, second, third week of the finals. Second week of the finals. And then they lost by 20 to Penrith in the grand final qualifier. So even when they had losses, they were close. They were very tight and they were yeah. beating some very strong teams and beating them comfortably. And I think, yeah, if they've, if they've got a set forward pack and they keep doing the same things they were doing at the back end of last year, they're going to be strong this year, especially if Walker's got his role set like he did at the tail end of last season and Mitchell is fully fit and playing as good as he was then. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're going to be a huge threat. I'd also like to see it just a, a, them have a couple of forwards come through and just give them a little bit of depth in the forwards. If they could do that, I'd be more confident about them. The thing mm. that gets me, though, is like you, you talk about the the finals and the results in the finals. And the thing that got me was that like Penrith just wrecked these fucking teams. Yes. They, and South, South's come into that game and they were confident because they'd been in the grand final against Penrith, lost a very close grand final on a, on, you know, it, you could say they lost it on that intercept, mm. but it's very, you, they tried to win it and they lost, you know, and Parramatta were the same. Oh, we've beaten them twice in the regular season and all this. And Penrith got to the finals and just curb stomped everyone. Pretty much. And it, it was shocking. It was really shocking. That was brutal. Yeah. They coasted through the majority of the season and then got to the finals and just said, mm, let's just go to third gear, fellas. Yeah. And what the thing that I wonder, and we're going to find out, which is amazing, because we could be watching, like, one of the, the great teams, right? Mm. And we're going to find out this year because the Panthers have ticked the boxes so far for one of the best modern day team, modern day 10 meter teams. They've, they've ticked all their boxes, right? If they, if they do what they did last year, again, this year, then we have to look at how we rate them on an all time scale. And you're never going to beat the dragons. I just don't give a shit. You're never going to beat the dragons. No, but, all of those other sides. Like, well, I mean, you're going to be looking at, if they make it to five straight grand finals. Yeah. Um, you're looking in the areas of, say, that remarkable south side of the 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not many teams. No. Balmain around the war, World War One. 15 to 1920. The the 80s Eels, you would have to throw them in there just because yeah, they won Eels. so many titles. Um, the South Side in the 60s, early yep. 70s. Yep. 
Um, yeah, there's not a huge amount of them though. Yeah, it's very very slim um, field you're looking at there. Especially if they got to the finals and did what they did last year again, like where it was like, okay, we we were the best team in the regular season, and then we got to the finals and we just were like just ending teams, you know, like. Yeah. That's the thing about Parramatta. Like how it's going to be interesting to see how Parramatta bounces back from what happened to them last year because that has it's got to be like they would they felt set they were so confident and then the Panthers beat them in that first week and they shook it off you know they got back to the grand final and then to face the same side and and get annihilated the way they did in that first half was, uh, you know, can you get yourself up to that point where you feel as though you can beat that team? I don't know how you can, because just with how devastating it was, you know, I, we're going to find out. That's the cool thing about this season. We're going to find out all of these questions. Like yeah. nobody knows. We're going to find out. We will find out. And we'll also find out who wins the World Club Challenge. We will. We will. Excited for it? Um, I will try and watch it. Yeah? Yeah. Um, excited? I don't know. I don't think I've ever been excited for the World Club Challenge. Yeah, neither have I. It seems to be one of those games that the English love more than the Australians do, which is weird given that they lose that game so often. It's pretty crazy that they didn't put the, the World Club Challenge on its uh, magic round, hey? Hmm... What, English magic round? No, no, our magic round. Because oh. we've got 17 teams, so we're going to have one team sitting down oh. for the weekend. It probably wouldn't be a bad idea, to be honest. Yeah. Have you got a cat there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was just thinking, is it is it your cat or my cat? <laughs> no, it's my one. It's wandering around. It wants to get out. Ah, really? It wants to yeah. murder some things with its face. Pretty much, pretty yeah. much. Your, yeah. your cat's an inside cat, though, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah. So it just basically bur- murders furniture at this stage. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. It's, you know, it's got legs, but it doesn't run, so you know. Yeah. It's close enough. <laughs> it's now pacing around. Yeah, I've got two, like, normal, you know, normal cats. I don't know, even know what you'd call them. The You've normal... got two cats. Two cats, yeah. I, Did I, I thought you only had... talk about... No, I thought you only had one. No, well, I found one. And yeah. then I found I found her as a little girl cat, and I found her, and then the next day I I could hear another cat. There was obviously the same litter of cats, just meowing, 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 and talking to the one that I'd found. And so I went out and found him, and he's a little ginger cat. And she's more, she's like a dark colour, but she's got a little bit of motley through her. Okay. And uh, and. Yeah, and he's a, just a full ginger cat. And you so, him, and have you called him Horsburgh? No, no, oh. I didn't. You should. So, <laughs> no, he wasn't crying the whole time. <laughs> he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't crying. That's self-centered. <laughs> Did you see that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, no, but so I've got two cats. I, I think that they're only, oh, man, they'd only be a couple of months old. And, uh and and my dog my my french bulldog that's built like a little rhinoceros 
she uh, she doesn't understand that you can't just stand on top of them. <laughs> she just she thinks playing with them is walking up, putting her big giant paw on them, just holding them there. So yeah, it's good times. Sounds like fun. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've kind of wrapped this one up, haven't we? Yeah, it's been a good episode, hey? It has indeed. Um, yeah. I hope I haven't sounded too tinny, people. You've sounded good. Sounds good. Sounded good? Yeah. All righty. Well, on that uh, hugely positive note, make sure you check us out on the socials on Facebook and Instagram at Fergo Freak Pod. Um, we're on all those other places that you know of by now. So check, check us out everywhere on the socials. Share us around. That would be awesome. And uh, we'll check you all out next time.